This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. This is a mutiny and I am the captain now. You'll recognize the voice of today's guest and we know you're going to be excited to hear from him. Who is it? Andrew, the not so average triathlete, voice of the people and former captain of the middle of the pack. And as of just a few hours ago, an Ironman finisher. Andrew, welcome to my show. Uh, this is a little weird. I'm still wrapping my head around uh, being on this side of the podcast recording. But, John, you're doing a great job so far hosting hosting the show. <laughs> uh, my co-mutineer today is Coach Elizabeth James. Elizabeth is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who quickly rose to the triathlon ranks using TriDot from a beginner to top age grouper to professional triathlete. She is a Kona and Boston Marathon qualifier who has coached triathletes with TriDot since 2014. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us. How fun is this? Oh, this is so much fun. I'm really excited to uh, take part in this takeover show. Who am I? I'm John Mayfield. I am a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who leads TriDot's Athlete Services Ambassador and Coaching Programs. I've coached hundreds of athletes ranging from first-timers, including Andrew Harley, to Mm. Kona qualifiers and professional triathletes. As always, we'll roll through a warm-up question, settle in for the main set topic, and then wind things down with our cool-down. Before we get too far into talking about my race at Ironman Waco, I wanted to invite all of you to race against me at my next race. The inaugural USA Triathlon Remote National Championship is coming soon, and you need to join in the action. Listen, this is the very first remote race, and I, for one, want to be able to say that I was there for it. Remote racing is an innovative new way to race. It's a triathlon where participants from all over the world race the same course from wherever they are in the world. The technology of RaceX will take your performance from your location and localize it to the race site so that the results are fair, practical, and comparable. So we can truly see who had the faster normalized time, me racing from Dallas or you racing from wherever you are. The very first remote race will put all of us against each other on the USA Triathlon Age Group Nationals course in Milwaukee. So as a bonus, you'll be able to see what your time could be if you were to qualify and race in person in Milwaukee next year. The race window opens on November 11th and closes on November 21st. So you have those 11 days, including two weekends, to complete your remote swim, bike, and run. Head to RemoteRacing.com for more information and to get yourself registered for the very first remote triathlon. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. A unique feature of the Ironman Waco weekend was the full distance race was held on Saturday and the 70.3 was held the following day on Sunday. Believe it or not, there were a few athletes who entered both races and made an attempt to finish the 70.3 the day after racing 140.6. Some folks probably think that sounds like a fun challenge, but most of us would probably say no thanks. So this leads me to ask, if you were in full control of your schedule the day after a race, how would you want to spend that day? Andrew, we'll start with you. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, Recording I mean, a podcast is that the, <laughs> the thing you want to do the day after a race? You know, I, I would rather record a podcast than have to like edit and work on a podcast. Um, and and I mean, the, the recording part's the fun part, right? We just get to sit down and talk about triathlon and what do triathletes? I mean, there's nothing more that we enjoy doing more than that, right? We just love sitting down and talking shop. So, uh, if I'm in full control of my schedule the day after a race, um, I, I think my wife and I nailed it in New Zealand. Uh, in particular, uh, that was where that's where I did my first seventy point three, and the day after, um, we, we kind of pre-scheduled. We we prepaid for um, a, a, like like an hour or two of uh, stand up paddleboarding on Lake Topa, um, and so it, it was kind of a nice kind of active recovery activity to to get out and get out of the hotel, you know, grab a quick breakfast and, and enjoy a morning on the lake. You know, it, it right you know we were stand up paddleboarding right where I had done the swim the day before. Um, and so that, that was something that it, it was active, it, it was on my feet, but it wasn't super physically demanding. Um, it, it got us back outside in nature, enjoying the scenery. Um, and, and so we, we did that and then went back to the hotel, um, you know, ate, ate some lunch and then drove back to Auckland and then fly home the next day. So, so that was a nice recovery day, to be honest. Um, we had a nice activity mixed with, um, some, some light travel in there. Um, honestly, I, I do have to say here in Waco, it was kind of cool going back on course the next day, like having already raced and getting to watch some fellow tri daughters do the seventy point three. Like I, I thought we were going to be exhausted. I thought, oh man, we're gonna, we're, you know, th- there was no doubt that we were going out there. Like mm-hmm. we all knew we were going out there. We have tri daughters out there racing. We will be there. We, we, we were amped for it, but we were tired, right? Because I, I raced an Ironman. Y'all spectated an Ironman past midnight, um, and, and so that that was more enjoyable and it was more energizing for me than i thought it would be mm-hmm. um and it was really cool standing on course watching tri daughters go by giving them high fives um knowing th- that, that they're taking on the same hills i took on the day before they battled the same heat and winds that i battled the day before and, and that it was actually kind of cool getting to do that it, it was kind of mean when you said like what are these people in for they're only doing a half like they act like it's hard i did not say that like- i did not say that you <laughs> said that and i laughed <laughs> Well, if you laughed, that means you you agreed with it. So, that's it. Elizabeth, how about you? Hmm. Okay. Well, I I'm probably first in that camp that thinks like, ooh, that does kind of sound like a fun challenge. Um, I mean, of course you are crazy, but <laughs> gosh, like that's something that I would love to do someday. Like do a full okay. and then the house right. the next day. Um, now, Elizabeth, if there had been a pro field in Waco, would you have been racing with me? Yes, hundred yeah, percent. I thought so. Hundred percent. Um, love love Waco and was a little sad that there wasn't a pro field, yeah. but you know, it, in the end, it's, it's still great to be out there and it's good to be on the other side of it with coaching and volunteering and supporting. So, um, good, good weekend all around, but yeah, I mean, shout out to the people that did the full and then the half the next day. That's incredible. Um, really, really cool. And I've done a couple crazy events the day after racing, um, like in Colorado. It wasn't a, an Ironman that we did, but we ran a marathon and then went and hiked a 14er the next day. Okay. And so, again, something outside, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe something that doesn't have time limits is good, but uh, just being outside, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of ways that that could go. Yeah. So for Elizabeth, it's after the day after racing, she wants to race more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. but, and, and for me, it's the day after racing. I, I want to do something somewhat active, but, but not, not super grueling. So 
What about you, John? Hey, this is my podcast, so I'm asking <laughs> the questions here. So I think for me, I think back on the races that I've done, um, and and two in particular. One one was on the uh, the Gulf Coast side of Florida, and the other was on the the Atlantic side. Um, one was was my first Ironman, Ironman Florida. Uh, we were there on those those gorgeous Emerald Shore beaches, and I remember uh, my kids were little at the time. And I remember just having some really special memories of being down there, kind of like, kind of like you mentioned, the same swim venue that I had swam the day before. Uh, water was was a little chilly, but but felt great, uh, almost like some some cryo on the legs. And I remember my kids just playing there in the surf, and that that was really special. And um, then last year after after Challenge Daytona, uh, you and I spent some time there, uh, just chilling out by the by the pool. Uh, we we took that day. Oftentimes. Um, I and I think most people tend to travel that that following day, so it's nice to actually have um, have Time a day to relax. not to. Yeah. Um, so so that's just kind of thinking back that some of my my two favorite days were were just relaxing on the beach, um, and I'm not particularly a beach person, um, but uh, just uh, again kind of going with the theme of, of being outdoors, uh, kind of somewhat reliving a little bit of the experience, kind of going back to the scene of the crime. Um, I think so. So yeah, maybe just uh, chilling on the beach, hanging out by the pool. Uh, on a lovely day. I think that's probably how I would how I would want to spend the day after. So as always, we're going to throw this out to the IamTraw.Facebook Facebook group. Tell us, how would you want to spend the day after your next big race? On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Our main set today is brought to you by our good friends at UCAN. Here at TriDot, we are huge believers in using UCAN to fuel our training and racing. In the crowded field of nutrition companies, what separates UCAN from the pack is the science behind their superstarch, the key ingredient in UCAN products. While most energy powders are filled with sugar or stimulants that can cause a spike and crash, UCAN energy powders, powered by superstarch, deliver a steady release of complex carbs to give you stable blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy. UCAN just announced their newest edge gel flavor, strawberry banana. Now, I am not typically a gel user, but Andrew Harley gave such a raving review of the new flavor, I had to give it a try, and it did not disappoint. The strawberry banana edge will definitely be added to my nutritional arsenal. So head to their website, generationucan.com, and use the code TRIDOT to save 10% on your entire order. Once again, that's generationucan.com, promo code TRIDOT. Today we are in Waco, Texas, site of the inaugural Ironman Waco. After two years of rescheduling, cancellations, and venue changes, we are all thrilled that this event is now in the books. If you listen back to the past two years of podcasts, you will know that Andrew Harley has been along for the whole ride. Andrew Harley, you are an Ironman. Thank God. We heard those hallowed words Saturday evening, and the podcast faithful are aware of your Ironman journey. But... Take us back to the beginning and give us the Cliff's Notes version of the past two years. Man, it, I mean, it, it's been wild. And, um, I mean, there's there's several triotters that know. You know, there's a lot of triathletes that listen that that I'm sure have been through the ringer uh, in, in the same way that I have. To, to look back on the journey of, of where I was then to, to who I am as an athlete now, uh, I'm thankful. I actually had those two years to prepare. Uh, I, I'm thankful that, that I know so much more. I was so much better prepared. Um, I, I've I've been to so many on staff for Tridot. Um, I mean, us as a team traveling the races and cheering on athletes. I've seen so many Tridot athletes on course. Um, sometimes in hot conditions, sometimes in chilly conditions, sometimes in um, um, you know tough conditions. Some easier than others, some harder than others, and, and just just to watch and learn. 
Um, while so many other tri daughters were out there taking on Ironman courses, um, I, I was able to take a lot of lessons into my own race day. Um, spending so much time with you guys on the podcast, just just soaking up like a sponge uh, everything you guys say. Um, that there's a lot that I learned that I was able to apply to my race, and, and so. I'm thankful for the time that passed. Um, obviously, when you're in the thick of it, uh, just tra- training for, for two years for a race of this distance, um, you know, you, you get restless, you get ready to get it on, you, you, you get, you, you're thinking, you know, when's my turn after watching all these other people? And um, so, so it, it's been a journey, but it, it's one that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, there's no doubt that this race, Ironman Waco, was the one I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I enjoyed it. That there's no doubt that. Um, it was better for me to have done it now as opposed to two years ago. It was a huge moment of relief to um, put my name into the into the tracker on Ironman Tracker and have my name be there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, I'm on the roster. <laughs> I'm actually doing this race. Like, it, it was a huge moment of relief. And, and some of the first uh, list of athletes didn't have you on it, right? And that's a great point, John. So I have to give a shout out, and, and this is a very hearty shout out um, to Randy Hancock, Tridot Ambassador. Um, he, he's from Waco, lives in the Dallas area, Dallas suburbs now. Um, but his last name being Hancock, um, it's so close to Harley on the participant list. Um, so I did this race. I'm an Ironman because mm. of Randy Hancock. Uh, and, and Randy, congrats to him. He finished Ironman Waco as well. It was his first Ironman. Uh, he, he had a good day out there. Uh, I, I saw him uh, on, on the bike course once and gave him a quick shout. Um, but Randy sent me a Facebook message. Um, months ago now and, and right when they had published the participant list and he was like hey I, I looked at the participant list and I didn't see your name on there and again thankfully his last name is close to my last name so mm-hmm. he noticed um, and he, he was like I just want to make sure that you can make sure that you're registered and I'm like I, I registered right because we, we'd all been sent that you know that there's the deferral email and you pick which race you want and then you you, you select that race and they send you the race to re- they send you the link to register and, and I, I could swear to you John I could swear that I took every step and immediately responded to every email Iron Man sent to register for the race. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm fine. But I, I checked my email. I did not have confirmation that I was registered for this race. I, I had every other email. I had the deferral option. I had the confirmation that I had selected Iron Man Waco. I did not have a QR code and an email saying, yes, Andrew Harley, you are, you are in for Iron Man Waco. And I was like, oh, no. And, and so thankfully, I, I clicked the deferral link, and it took me to the registration page, and it let me register, you know, for free with the deferral code. Um, and 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 they never updated the participant list for me to see my name on there. But at that point, I did have the confirmation email. I did have the QR code. And so again, when I saw my name on the Ironman Tracker app, it was such a relief. Uh, and, and I got to race because of Randy Hancock. So huge shout out to him. I would not have even been on the start line. Uh, I, I would have driven down the Waco <laughs> and tried to check in and not been able to, and it would have been absolutely like the worst thing ever. So I'm um, super thankful for that. But but the other thing I'm thankful for uh, in talking about the Tracker app, so so my name's on the Tracker app, and it has the wrong club. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I have all these tri-daughters. Like, I have all these people listening to the podcast, and they're going to put my name into this Tracker app, and it's not going to say try-out triathlon training. It's going to say something else. Did and I was like, defect? That, that, is, that is a terrible look, right, for the host of the Tri-Out podcast to have a, the wrong club affiliation. So um, emailed Ironman. Uh, Talked to Ironman uh, Athlete Services on site. There wasn't a whole lot they could do. Um, so, But I was determined, John. I was determined mm-hmm. to have that club affiliation be right. Mm-hmm. And so I sent an email. I, I found online the customer service line for the company um, that does Ironman's tracking services and, and created and manages the app, basically. And I sent an email to them. 
Um, it's like real time track. I forget exactly what the company's called. Uh, and within hours, I had a response, and they were like, "Yep, all good. We've updated it." And I was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much!" Like, <laughs> but, but it meant it meant so much. Mm-hmm. Like, it meant so much to have that. I mean, you train for this thing for two years. You're so ingrained to to into TriDot. I love the TriDot community. I love the TriDot athletes, and it meant so much to me. They have to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was so thankful. Like, I was with my wife when I got the email, and I I was just like, "Oh my gosh, they <laughs> they fixed it. They got it right. I'm a TriDot athlete on race day." So. Uh, but anyway, so it's it's been a long journey, and um, you know, and and every step on the race course, um, you know, you, you you felt the gravity of, oh my God, I'm finally here. It's finally my turn. It's finally my race week. So I'll, I'll say I, I was there for for all of that, and, and there was a righteous indignation. There was a a like holy anger that that Andrew had around this, and and even now to hear you tell that story and explain it, because I it, honestly a couple of days ago I didn't get it. It was mm-hmm. like you know his his club affiliation isn't tried out, but whatever, no big deal. It's not that, but it's it's cool to hear that now and, and get some of that that context. And and I get that you know that you you want to be part, you are part of this, and you yeah. want to be part of it. You want to identify with the group, so that's that's super cool. But yeah, that was that was so cool to see. Uh, uh, I've seen few things other than perhaps Iron Man, uh, Andrew Harley go after with such tenacity that uh, <laughs> he was going to get that done, and uh, the guy just gets stuff done. So, well, Andrew, yes, it's it's certainly been you know a longer journey than maybe you anticipated. But um, think back a couple years ago, and I know you that you've mentioned Mike Riley's book as you know something that was a little bit of an inspiration for you and in, in really getting started, but. If you could just share with us kind of your motivation or your why, what was it that really made you want to take on the Ironman race? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I still remember vividly when I'd done a bunch of sprints in Olympics and I, I was I was talking to Morgan and I, I was like, hey, I, I think I want to try a half Ironman. Because um, at the time, I thought that was insane. Like to, to bike, mm-hmm. 50, 50, I think my longest bike ride to date was like in the 20s, like to bike 25 miles and run a half marathon like I, I thought that was crazy and and you know her response was like okay yeah that like that's great I, I support you like like but pick one somewhere really cool so that we get to travel somewhere really cool and while you're out there racing for for six hours plus I can sit on a beach somewhere really cool and that's where we ended up in New Zealand for for our, our, our first um and and at the time I thought that was the ceiling I thought that was like that's the ultimate that's the goal like I I didn't even consider Ironman as, as a realistic possibility for me. Uh, I'd never run a marathon. I'd never considered doing a century ride. I, I just, I had no interest. And, and, and honestly, if, if it had not been for finding TriDot uh, and having TriDot training um, take me longer in swim sessions than I thought I could go. Because uh, before TriDot, my normal pool session was 1,500 meters and I'd call it a day and go back to work. And I thought that was like, and all of a sudden you get on TriDot and your normal session is 3,000 yards. And it's like, okay, well, that's actually not far off from an Ironman swim. And, and, and it, it was the training, it was the doing multiple half Ironmans that, that kind of showed me that this, is, this could be possible. Um, and so I started getting the idea in my head. I don't remember when, but, but it was kind of like, you know what? I've done the half, I've done the sprint, I've done the Olympic. I just... I never wanted to be, and I still don't want to be, that, that guy who does an Ironman every year and ends up as a 10-time, 20-time Ironman finisher. I, I have no desire to be that guy. Those people are incredible. They're absolutely amazing. They're inspiring. Um, I, I'm truly good with just having one uh, on the resume. But but I did have that feeling that I, I just want to round out the resume. I, I want to be able to say I've done an Ironman. I want to be able to say I've, I've finished 
that mm-hmm. distance and that race. And, and you know, there, there's so many times you're at these events and you're talking to athletes and, and it, it comes up like, like, have you done a full? Uh, have you done an Ironman? And, and, or, or when people are meeting you and they, they find out you're a triathlete, like that, that the question is, like, oh, have you done an Ironman? Well, I've done a half Ironman. And, and it's just like, it's great saying that. And it's a huge accomplishment to finish a half Ironman. Um, and, and I've got some half Ironman finish times I'm very proud of. Um, but, but not being able to say, yes, I've done an Ironman, uh, you know, it, it just, it gives you that feeling of, you, you want to do it. You, you want to, you want to get that challenge. And, and the clincher for me is, is what you mentioned. The clincher for me was reading that book. And it was actually, we were flying to Greece for 70.3 Greece. Uh, we were going to vacation there for two weeks. Uh, my, my wife always wanted to go to Greece. Um, she wanted the honeymoon in Greece. We couldn't afford it then as newlyweds. Um, so we settled for, for something cheaper, but, but we finally had saved up and like, Hey, we can go to Greece for two weeks. Um, and it was on the plane flight there that I, I read on my Kindle, um, Mike Riley's book and, and just reading what, what I like about Mike so much is that he, he, he cares very little. You can tell he's very humble. He cares very little for talking about himself. He cares very little for, for writing about his own story. And so his book, it's, it's supposed to be his autobiography. But what he does in his book is he, he, he tells his story through the lens of people that he's called across the finish line. Like that's how passionate the guy is about telling other people's stories, is that in telling his own story, he tells it through mm-hmm. the stories of other people that, he, that he's encountered along the way. And, and so it, the whole book is just him recounting memorable finish line calls. He talks about calling his son across the finish line. He talks about calling um, challenged athletes across the finish line. And, and you read these stories of these people that finished Ironman. And you're like, if they if they can do one of these, I can do one of these, and 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 that that was just a clincher for me was reading that book and and, and knowing, man, there's so many inspiring people that have done it, and, and now I've traveled with with John, I've traveled with you, Elizabeth, too, so many of these, and, and I see it with my own eyes. I see our trot out athletes, I see other people, I see them cross that finish line, and and, and it's like, man, if like if if they can do this, if they can step up to the plate and get this done, man, I, I want to be a part of that group that can say that 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 I've done that and I've accomplished that and. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that, that book was the clincher for me. And, and then after reading it two years ago and signing up two years ago, seeing so many other tri-daughters along the way finish their Ironman journey, um, I, I was excited to, to get to do mine too. So you effectively trained for this race three times. What did Andrew Harley's tri-dot training look like? Uh, and did anything vary from year to year or once you switched from the Woodlands to Waco? Yeah, that, that's a great question because um, it, it did change each time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I know there's other athletes that are listening that went, went through similar, or went through the same, or, or it kind of became a fun question this year, John, when we've been at the races, we started at like, cause normally like you ask an athlete, well, why did you pick Waco? Why did you pick California? Why did you pick Coeur d'Alene? Like, and, and it became, well, which race did you actually pick and how did you end up here? Uh, because for the most, like most athletes ended up in a, in a different race than they originally signed up for. Right. Right. Um, and, and so I know a ton of people have gone through just differences in expectation differences in, in which race they're actually taking on in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, you know, it was Ironman Texas was the one I signed up for and I signed up for Ironman Texas. I, I honestly, I was between Texas and Florida because I wanted a, a, a fast and flat bike course. Um, cause I was, I was, I'm, I'm not a strong cyclist. I wanted to get off the bike as fast as possible. I, I did not have the confidence in my bike ability to take on a, a difficult course. And so I was between Texas and Florida and, and I picked Texas just cause you know, it's close to home. It's in the backyard. I can go recon the course a lot easier. Um, and, and, and John, you and I had a conversation along the way when like the second time I was going through the, the deferral options, um, 
about should I do Texas versus Waco and 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 you know the the more we talked about the Waco the the more I got excited about it I mean my my wife went to Baylor and so I'd spent a lot of time in Waco Um, I had seen Cameron Park I had seen um, you know I'd swam in the Brazos and and I was like man I I have fond memories of Waco good memories of Waco Um, and and so anyway so so to to get back to the question um, each training cycle was different Uh, the, the first two were probably more similar um, because I, I was determined, John, like I was going to do every tri-dot session like to the T. Because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to be as ready as possible. I wanted to be fully prepped and ready to go. And both of those um, training cycles were for the Woodlands, Ironman Texas, which happens in April traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a great thing as well, is January to April, when I was in the race prep phase uh, of training, um, there's much fewer interruptions. Mm-hmm. Um, for us as tri-dot staff, there's less trips. Um, there's, I mean, the only trip we take between January and, and Ironman Texas is 70.3 Galveston, mm-hmm. uh, where we're able to train while we're there. Um, and, and so honestly switching to Waco, and we almost didn't switch me to Waco for this reason. And you and I talked about it a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Elizabeth and I as well talked about it a little bit. Um, I, that there was concern with if I picked Waco, if I picked any of them that were in the fall, mm-hmm. what would it do to my training because of how often we travel in the summer and in the fall to cheer on other people for their races because it takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we try on these trips to, to do our training as well as we can. You know, we try to get in bike rides, find a pool, go get a swim in, uh, but but just your energy's not there. It just, you're, you're, you know, logistically it's not there. And, and so it was difficult. Um, my, my, my training wasn't perfect. Um, I didn't get to nail every session uh, for sure. Um, uh, there, there were times I came off of those trips and, and was just too tired to do my, my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday sh- sessions the way they were supposed to. So some things got shortened. But the, the other thing that, that was a little bit of a hindrance in the training the, this past most recent time, um, I, and I've talked on the podcast as well, um, I had some foot pain um, uh, under my metal tarsal. Um, I, I could not run on my right foot for about three weeks leading into Alcatraz. And actually the race in Alcatraz was my first run in three weeks at the time that we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The first two times I trained for this race, I was able to to my, my longest runs were two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and and they were really confidence. It, it, it boosts a lot your confidence quite a bit when you can run for two and a half hours in the heat of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my longest one for this race was an hour and fifty minutes, and so there there was some question in the back of my mind: Am I going to fade on that run course? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to run the whole thing because I I didn't build the stamina to the extent that I thought I could? But as a as a stronger runner, I, it was also like okay, if I can nail the bike training, I know I can do that swim, and I know I can walk, walk, run myself through that marathon. Um, and, and so it, it was a challenge. Well, that said, I mean, you had, <laughs> you had concerns about the run and having, having ran, you said an hour 50 was your longest, yep. I'm guessing somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 miles, something like that. So effectively a half marathon, you got to do double that. Yeah. Your strongest run was, was lap three. So, I mean, effectively that, that yeah. shows. And I think it's just a demonstration. We get that question a lot from athletes. If I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race a marathon or I'm going to race a half marathon, don't I need to do that distance? And I think you just epitomized the fact that it's, yeah. it's not necessarily all about those long sessions. Your longest session headed into this race was effectively half of what you had to do on race day, yet you really found your legs on that third loop and, yeah. and ran ran stronger uh, on, on that last loop. So I think that's just a great example of that, that it's that consistency of training. It's the day in, the day out. It's not just all about those long sessions. And no, you don't have to do the full distance. And, and this, you don't even have to get close. You mentioned 95 miles was your, your longest ride. So, you know, that's uh, you know almost 20 miles shy of the 112 that you did yeah. on, on race day. So it's not just all about those those long sessions. Rather, it's that consistency of getting in as much of the, the training as you can um, on a day-to-day basis. 
So as part of your job working for Trotta, you've attended Ironman races all over the country. Uh, tell us about race week and what was different this time as you headed into your first race. That, that was the weirdest thing for me, John. And I think I, I, I don't know if I said it to my wife or if I said it to you guys, um, but the weirdest thing in this whole experience was having been to so many of these and packing for these, uh, traveling for these, um, going through the motions of, because when you spectate an Ironman, I mean, you, you go through the motions just like the athletes preparing, right? We, we show up on site, we, we do a Wednesday shakeout run um, for, for athletes, we do a Thursday uh, bike ride for athletes. We do, um, if, if available, we do a Friday um, um, swim venue kind of recon and, and get a little dip in, in, in the swim venue. Uh, and, and you and I and, and Elizabeth and, and Coach Jeff Rains, when we're on site for these races, we go through those motions with all those athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're there for all of them. And so in that sense, it was no different yeah. uh, what I was doing. Very familiar. Uh, it was Yeah, it was very familiar. And, and that's a great way to put it. And um, But on the other hand, I was actually racing on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so that, that pressure is there and, and just that, that realness is in the back of your mind. And um, so so the, the whole week building up to it, 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 was, it, was, it was really cool. Um, it, it was really weird just thinking like, oh my God, it's finally my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think... If I had raced this in April of, of 2020 when I was supposed to the first time, I don't think I would have had nearly as much appreciation for that finish line, mm-hmm. nearly as much appreciation to, to just be on the starting line, frankly, uh, um, as, as I did. Because I, I would have trained a, a couple months development phase. I would have trained four months on a race prep phase and I would have raced Ironman. Mm-hmm. And, and to go through it for so many years and to be on site for so many races now and to see so many athletes cross their own Ironman finish line and to see what that moment meant to them, um, it, it it made it that much more meaningful for me um, to, to come in and have it be my turn. And um, a, a really cool thing for me, while we were here in Waco, um, you know, we, we, so we often when we travel for these, especially when we have a lot of staff, uh, we'll, we'll run a house. It's just more economical for us to run a house and have all of us staying in the same house as opposed to a bunch of hotel rooms. Um, so, so we had a house here in Waco. It's where we're recording this podcast right now. And in the house, um, it, it's it's myself, it's my wife, it's Coach John Mayfield, um, eight-time Ironman finisher. It is pro triathlete Elizabeth James. Uh, and then it's tried-out coach Joanna Namey uh, has been staying with us. And, and so she was racing Waco. Um, and for her, it's, it's her, it's, she, she was at 15. This was going to be her sweet 16 uh, Ironman. And so to be in a house with so much experience and, and, and people that, that know how to go through this process and people that know how to get the job done and people that have coached um so many other athletes to the finish line and, and to to have joanna i mean i mean all week long i was watching joanna and, and when joanna was on her yoga mat stretching and, and she was kicking back and relaxing i made sure okay well joe's kicking back and relaxing so <laughs> let me get off my feet and kick back and relax and and all, all the restaurants we were choosing okay well well what, what's what's joanna eating well what's <laughs> what, what's she eating tonight and, and and how can i mimic that and, and it really i mean it gave me a template for what race week looks like as an athlete because uh, I've been there so many times before as a spectator and I'm not having to judge everything I'm putting in my body that, that week and everything I'm doing and, and when am I off my feet, when am I on it. Um, so, so to have that was invaluable. And to go through the motions, I mean, I mean to wake up on, on race morning and come down for breakfast at 4 a.m. And, and be standing here I mean, in, in silence with, with Joanna, both, both making and eating our breakfasts at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, it, it was really special and really, really cool. All right, so moving into the race itself. Um, I, I mean, we'd, we'd love to hear all of it, but we also know that, um, you know, our podcasts are limited on time yes. and, and Andrew has your job to edit this later, yes. um, make your editing job easier on yourself. 
walk us through some of the highlights of race day. Sure. Um, that was tough, y'all. <laughs> that was uh, Iron Man is not easy. Uh, you, you you can't fake Iron Man. You, you gotta you gotta be ready to finish it, or you're not gonna finish it. Um, man, what what a rewarding experience, though. Like what a rewarding day. And I, I think I meant to say this on on the last question, but I'll I'll say it now. I'm just talking about getting ready for for a race like this. Like when, when it comes to even just like playing games. Um, like my wife really likes like quick, fast thinking, like, like speed kind of card games. Um, like that, that's, I, I cannot beat her at games that, that are, are snappy and quick. Um, I love settling in for a one hour game of chess or a five hour game of risk or like any of those board games that take a long time to like play and strategize and develop. And, and, um, but because like in the end, whether you win or lose, that there's just more that happened out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, if you win, it's more rewarding. If you lose, you know, you, you at least went through this process in the event of losing, as opposed to just losing so quickly that, you know, and, and so I've always liked things that, that take a long time to develop. And, and Ironman is the ultimate in that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's months and months and months of, of building your stamina up to be ready for race day. And then once you're out there on the course, it's, it's hours and hours and hours of swimming, biking and running. So, um, with all of that, much like a board game, um, it was way more rewarding crossing that finish line, uh, and not even just the finish line. I mean, just just the process of of coming out of the swim after swimming two point four miles instead of one point two. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, it was so cool to like you know to 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 reach those stairs and to look up and see the volunteer there, grab his hand, and, and he pulls me out, and it's just like oh my god, I just swam two point four miles. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I feel good. I feel ready to, to keep pressing on. I, I was excited to, to be out and I, I had a, I had a, I had a nice swim. I, I thought, I thought the swim was great. Um, you know, it's, it's the Brazos river, any local Waco, uh, all the people that we know that live in Waco, when, when they heard we were swimming in the Brazos river, they're like, Oh, you're going to swim in the Brazos. It's like, <laughs> I thought it was fine. It, it, yeah. it was a nice swim, yeah. uh, easy swim course, you know? So, so we jumped in the water and, and went upstream a little ways and, and then turned around and went back downstream a long ways. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I stayed in a rhythm. It was really, it was really cool to, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this. So, so race morning, I mean, I, I was more nervous heading to this race than, than any other. Um, and, and part of that is you build up two years, mm-hmm. right? So this thing is so built up in your mind. Um, you know, you've been training two years for this day. And, and so you don't want to waste it. You know, you, you want it to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was so nervous uh, on race morning. Um, I, I was probably the quietest y'all have probably ever seen me. I, I usually internalize my nervousness. And so I just like, don't talk a lot. Um, and, and so once I jumped in the water and started swimming, it, it was just that reminder that like, I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I know how to swim. Mm-hmm. I, I've swam thousands of yards, like yeah. even just this week, like I, I know how to swim and, and, and you settle into that rhythm and, and you look up and you find where your first buoy is and you know what to do from there. Mm-hmm. And sure, you're about to go through a 12, 13 hour day, but it's like, okay, well, I, in this moment that I'm in right now, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Swim to the next buoy. Um, and, and it was a little dark when we first started. And, and by the time we made the U-turn and started heading back down the Brazos towards the swim exit, um, the, the sun was starting to come up above the trees. And it was just like, it was so cool just just swimming down the Brazos, just just staying in a nice steady rhythm, staying within myself, watching the sunrise over over downtown Waco as I, as I swam towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a nice, almost peaceful uh, if that's possible, uh, yeah. uh, swim, swim morning. Um, I, I really appreciate the, 
the kayakers that were out there, you know, just it made you feel safe the whole time, just knowing that there were there were people out there keeping an eye on you. One of our athletes, Caleb Chapman, was volunteering in a kayak. I, I looked for him every time I passed by a kayak <laughs> and could see him. I was like, "Is that Caleb?" And I, I, n- I never saw. I don't know which one he was. He was in, but um, so so great, great swim came out of the water. Um, you know, it, it was nice to see you guys as I was transitioning. Saw my wife while I was transitioning. Um, and yeah, got onto the bike and went out on the bike course and, um, it, it was a tough day on the bike. Um, it, it was windy. Um, it, it was, it was hot. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of direct sun out there. There were a lot of rough roads out there. So I'm not going to lie to you. It was not, it was not the, the most amazing, easiest, smoothest, fastest bike course. Um, but, but I, I was surprised how comfortable I felt. I, you know, I, my, my, my butt was comfortable on my saddle, my, um, it, we've been hearing about those right? like, sit yeah. bones. I, and I, and I was worried about that. I, I was worried about that. But you know, the right saddle. You've done the training. You've built up to it. And um, I mean, shout out to my tri rig scoops. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I stayed in. If I wasn't going uphill, I was an arrow, and yeah. I was comfortable. Um, and, and my bike fit. Um, you know, my, my my bike bike fit felt great. And I um, in my training leading up to it, in those stamina sessions, and I was talking to Joanna, uh, uh, Coach Joe at the house about this, like. I did three rides outside before this race. Mm-hmm. I did a four-hour stamina ride. I did a five-and-a-half-hour race rehearsal, and then I did like a four-and-a-half-hour shortened race rehearsal. Um, and in all three of them, I we talk about that flight fight-or-flight response. All three, I'm a flighter. I'm a hunt. My, my wife's a fighter. I'm a hundred percent a flighter. Like like, there's a loud bang. I'm turning and and I'm flinching. Um, you, you go in those long sessions in the saddle. I would go through moments where like that flight instinct would kick in because mm-hmm. I was restless. I was sick of pedaling. I was sick of being on a bike. I was sick of the wind, you know, blowing me all, all sorts of different directions. And, and and in those race rehearsals, fighting through those moments of I want to flight and call it a day and get the heck out of here and, and just proving to myself that I can stay on the bike and keep riding, like that gave me so much more confidence heading onto that bike course knowing that if I encountered that again, I could fight through it again. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I never had that. Um, the, the, the course had a ton of turns. It was very mentally engaging. And it was cool because it was a two-loop course. And so you go through the first loop. So I came up to personal needs, and, and personal needs was amazing. Like, I had the best volunteer. Uh, my bib number was 252. And um, so anytime I came up to the personal needs bags, they had them in, in a row from 250 to uh, 300. And so my bag was the second one there every single time. Um, and so my volunteer, like, grabbed my bag. She, she opened it. Um, and she, she just stood there with my bag and, and handled me bottles, handed me my gels and like all my refills and all my nutrition. Uh, I was in and out like a NASCAR pit crew. Like she was amazing. Um, and, and so I, I got through, um, personal needs station and, and from there on the second loop, it was just like mentally just checking off sections of road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Went through that neighborhood. Okay. Went through that. And it was so cool to be on that second loop knowing once I went through a section of road that I didn't have to see that section yeah. of road again. I had it behind me. It was done. Because on the first loop, you have to get your, everything. You're, you're like, oh. in 53 miles, I'll be going through all this again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so checking that off mentally was just so rewarding and just kept the course moving and kept it flowing. And, and even though it was windy and even though it was hot and even though it wasn't fast conditions, um, it, it, it I, I stayed settled. Um, I never had that flight response kick in. Um, when I hit mile 100, I will say this, mile 100 to mile 105, took freaking forever <laughs> maybe not on paper maybe not in speed yep. but but in my mind i was at mile 103 for an eternity in my mind um and and, and so um once i was off the bike I, I was so ready to be off the bike and i was thankful to be off the bike and my wife told me afterwards she was like everybody we saw come in uh in, in the t2 mm-hmm. like they they were they were 
cussing and they were swearing and they were they were dragging their bike and they looked exhausted and she was like you looked happy and I was like I was I was so thrilled, <laughs> thrilled. to be to be done with that bike I, I was I was I was running in the transition where she said everybody else was walking and because uh, I, I was excited to get another run course so 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 this is one of my favorite moments from the entire day was coming out of of, of T2 and I always like coming out of T2 anyway because I, I like the run Elizabeth you, you mm-hmm. relate yep um, I, I love starting the run and I, I'm, I'm running out of the chute I'm getting onto the run course and and my wife and John are both right there uh, and my wife yells to me she's like you're the cutest go you're the <laughs> cutest and John yells to me it's 90 degrees outside staying on top of your cooling protocol is going to be absolutely important stay in control of your pace don't over like don't overheat and those two things, back to back, side by side, were exactly what I needed to hear. I needed to know that I was the cutest, <laughs> and I needed to know that it was 90 degrees and to stay on top of my heating protocol. Because I, I've, I've been there on courses, John, with you this year, mm-hmm. where we've seen our athletes struggle in the heat. We did a whole podcast episode because of it, uh, of, of talking about how to handle the heat. And I've talked before, I don't do well in the heat. And that was my one, my, my biggest concern on the day was how would my body respond when it was 90 degrees and I was still on a bike and out there running. Because uh, I know I don't do well then, and, and so hearing those two things back to back, like like it, it reminded me to, to okay, slow down, ease up, and every single aid station I went through while the sun was high in the sky, that that first loop, every aid station, I was dumping water every because you, you told me stay wet, it's ninety mm-hmm. degrees, stay on top of your cooling protocol, stay wet, and I was dumping ice in my kit, uh, and I, I had ice just like sitting on my back inside of my kit. I, I was keeping everything. My, my kit was soaking wet the mm-hmm. entire run course. Uh, but it kept me cool and it kept me moving. I never, I don't remember um, feeling dizzy. I don't remember feeling overheated. I don't remember, I, I was taking my precision hydration electrolyte pills every 20 minutes. I was popping one of those bad boys um, and, and um, I'd stayed on top of my nutrition on, on the bike and felt energetic on the bike. And, and so that was helpful. Um, loop, loop one of the, of, of the run was hot. Um, I, I had a plan going in. There's some major hills in Waco. I knew going in, I'm gonna walk every hill. I don't care how I feel. I'm gonna walk every hill. I'm gonna to try to run every flat. In uh, the first loop, that's pretty much what I did. The second loop, uh, for anybody tracking me, uh, I'm, I'm sure they saw some slow times in there. Um, I, I was definitely having some, um, at that point, just, just I was really gassy. Just, I mean, it might be TMI, but I, I was really gassy. I was really, it was really farty. And, uh, and so I had to make a couple of porta potty stops just to, just to get some gas out. Um, I, I, I would try to run and my stomach would start cramping up. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think part of that and trying to stay cool on loop number one. Because um, I had seen some of our athletes in Coeur d'Alene, some of our athletes in Texas get overheated and, 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 and have to withdraw. And I was like, I don't want to go through all of this and, and, and have to pull out of this race. And so I was at aid stations. If there was a liquid there that was cool, mm-hmm. I was drinking it. Mm-hmm. So I was drinking Coke. I was drinking Gatorade. I was drinking water. And I, I think I probably just freaked my body out, right? I probably I probably took more than I needed. So on loop two, um, you know, I, I unfortunately had to walk a lot. Um, it's like the, the legs were there, like like the, yeah. the legs wanted to run, and I, I just, the, the, the gut wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, um, it started getting a little cooler outside. The sun started going behind the trees. And um, so loop number three, um, I, I, at that point, you know, you're, you're eight miles away from home. Um, you know, you, you and I, as I came back around to start loop three, uh, had a good little chat, and you just, you just kind of gave me those last little coaching tips for, for the, last, the last loop. And um, I, I get out there, and in loop three, the sun was going down. The, the the gut started cooperating. I stopped drinking a ton of a ton of random stuff, <laughs> um, and, and and I was able to run most of loop three, and it was awesome. Like it was awesome. Um, my legs felt. I it's like in a seventy point three or even a sprint or Olympic. Like you feel what it's like to run tired, 
like in triathlon we we train to to feel what it's like to run tired like iron man that was running when your legs are destroyed mm -hmm. like my legs were torched like i did i did not have the giddy up i did not have 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 the the, the gas in my legs my achilles was driving me insane I, I was feeling some hot spots in my feet from my socks being wet the entire run um, but but I gosh darn it between fueling properly all day between the try training coming in between pacing myself correctly between staying wet in the early stages of the run when when that third loop hit and my gut started cooperating I was I'm running 820 830 zone two pace mm -hmm. uh, and, and keeping on and, and so that was probably the next most fun part for me was actually being that late into the race being that deep onto the course and being able to run um, it, it was it was really cool um, and then of course approaching the finish um i mean just just magical i um i, I had seen several trotters out there throughout the day um i had seen coach joe i'd seen coach kurt madden which how cool is that to get to do your first iron man with with coach joanna and amy coach mm -hmm. kurt madden uh and, and several others um I, I met on the run course uh, i met a trot out podcast listener mm -hmm. uh named meg uh and she she and i chit chatted for for a, a little bit on, on the run course saw her throughout several times throughout the day she ended up podium uh with, with a i think second or age group mm -hmm. Um, so, so congrats to Meg from, from Fayetteville, Arkansas for, for a great day out there. It was great to meet you, uh, on course. She, she saw the Trotout logo and was like, are you Andrew? <laughs> like, yeah, I am. Who are you? Um, so it was really cool get, getting to meet her. Um, but, but seeing familiar faces on course throughout, throughout the day was really cool. And then I, I just so happened to, to, um, catch up to coach Joe, mm -hmm. um, literally right at the 26 mile mark and to have a familiar, familiar face there and to be able to, to come home with somebody that I knew. Uh, what was super cool and, and it's that moment where where you know, I'm catching her I see her and, and I'm wondering in my head like like you know sh sh should I ease up and finish with her should, should I uh, you know like like how should I play this moment um, and, and as soon as I catch her and as soon as she realizes it, it, it's me she goes you're you're kicking ass like you're hauling go go keep going like and, and she just like encouraged me to like yeah. like get that best finish time like finish strong and it was and it just it, it just surged me toward the finish and, and john you were there elizabeth you were there it was, it was great to to high five y'all it was great to get to hug my wife uh but before i came across the line and and you know everybody talks about that moment when you when you hear you know andrew harley you're an iron man um and, and you're approaching those lights um it, it was super cool and, and i'll say that like having been on the race course as a spectator once the sun goes down and the lights are up and, mm -hmm. and people are just giving it everything they have left uh, and, you're, and you're cheering them on, like I've, I've witnessed that moment so much and to be on course, I mean, obviously I, I would have loved to be fast enough to finish while the sun was up, mm -hmm. but to be on course once the sun went down yeah. is an experience that I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and if, you're, if you're privileged to be slow enough <laughs> to, to be out there once the sun goes down, you'll never forget it it's it's it was cool being under the lights suffering with with fellow triathletes and and, and gosh darn it when it was done i was so happy john yeah i was so happy mm -hmm. so so joe went on to to finish right behind you she got her a podium spot yes she qualified did qualified for the world championship yes so she did incredibly proud of her um so well done to to her so what things surprised you out on the iron man course john the biggest surprise i had the entire day um what, and this is a small surprise, but in the moment it was a big deal. <laughs> I um, I was running on the run course, and uh, there I went to grab a a cup of coke, and I went to down that cup of coke, and it was not a cup of coke. <laughs> um, it, it, I was expecting a chilled, a chilly, cold cup of coke, yeah. and it was a warm cup of chicken broth. 
uh, and I, I just didn't know that they had. St- I know on Ironman courses, once the sun goes down, they yeah. put out chicken broth, um, which particularly on those, uh, there's a lot of sodium in there. There's a lot of it, it. I mean, that's life-giving for a lot of people once the sun goes down. But when you're expecting a chili cup of Coke, and you go to down it shot glass style, and it's chicken broth, that was a surprise. <laughs> uh, and I, I audibly made a noise and made a comment to an athlete going going by me. Um, oh, I thought that was going to be Coke and it's chicken broth, and he laughed. Um, so, so that was a surprise. So, so when you're out there, be aware of what, you're, what, what cup you're grabbing. They, they, there was a few things that, that were different from a 70.3 in a way that surprised me. Um, I don't recall ever at a 70.3 or shorter, like being, I mean, you're, you're thankful for the volunteers, you're aware of the volunteers, you're aware of the spectators, but like, I, I like owe portions of my soul to some of those volunteers yeah. and spectators that were out there. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, because normally, like we've done volunteer shifts before. You know, we're at a, a at a water station for three hours, and then we move on, and they get a new shift in there for for whatever reason, logistically. The spectators at every aid station on the run, are the the, the volunteers at every aid station on the run were the same every same single loop. Yeah. And I can't tell you how helpful that was to know when I got to the top of this hill in Cameron Park, that aid station, that the guy running it, he was cracking the same jokes every single time. But to know that joke was coming, yeah, well, was life giving, yeah. Um, and and to know, okay, when I get to this aid station on the other side of the Brazos, where the sun's shining, that there's going to be the, the the older lady sitting in a lawn chair with ringing a cowbell, who's just cheering her brains out for her. But like like j- just to know, like they, like they became familiar faces, they became friends, yeah, almost right. Like and 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 that was that surprised me how how helpful that was. There were some spectators out there that were in the same place mm-hmm. every single loop. I mean, you guys were in the same place every single loop, and so it was so great to know you were going to be there and have you be there. Yeah. Um, th- th- there was a guy and a girl cheering at the top of the highest hill in Cameron Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, saying the same jokes all day. You know, when, when you reach the top of the hill, you know they, they, they were like, um, you know, they, they were encouraging you to, okay, you've walked enough. You know, pick pick it back <laughs> up, pick it back up. And then when you were going down the hill, exiting the park, they, they're like, okay, come back and see us. Like every time yeah but to know they were going to be there like I, I i mean i thanked them out loud like thank you guys so much for being here on my, on my and um you know they, they'd started recognizing athletes as we do you, rec- you start recognizing kits you start recognizing faces and so when i was going through there for the third time they're like they're pointing at me like lap three this is lap three like yeah it's lap three they're like get out of here get out of here like like to, to to have that familiarity for whatever reason and this surprised me because I, I never thought about this but it was so helpful and it's like Am I going to become one of those people that just parks it in the same spot all day from now on? Because I, I normally roam around with my camera. But yeah. it, it was so cool to have familiar faces along the way, mm-hmm. particularly in that run course. Um, and that that was a surprise for me. Um, the other thing I'll say, um, on the bike course, I used the same porta potty both loops. <laughs> I only stopped twice, uh, and, and they were both pretty quick, manageable stops. Um, but that's visiting that same porta potty on loop number two. It was like revisiting an old friend uh, because we, we, we had met, you know, we, we'd had some good moments together. Sure, good experience. And it's yeah. like, hey, hey, you, you're, you're here, I'm here. So great to see you again. Uh, and that's, yeah. Lots of great things that you've shared already, Andrew. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, as you have been preparing, we've done our best to share our collective experience with you. Um, but what lessons did you learn that you would pass on to another first timer and implement on your next race? Yeah, um, I, I, one of the best lessons for me with the race I had, and I, I spoke to this just a moment ago, but um, watching our athletes in, in Coeur d'Alene, um, and, and shout out to them, we had some brave finishers at 100 degree day Coeur d'Alene, and we had some brave DNFs, right? And, and, and both were equally brave. Um, 
watching them go through that and, and, and watching athletes just do what they have to do to stay cool. It's, it's like you, you go into these races and you have an idea of what you want to do. You have an idea of the times you want to hit. You have an idea of what you're capable of. You have an idea of how you want your nutrition to go. You have an idea of what you want to do on the run course to stay cool and to stay comfortable. Um, and and I, I think the most valuable lesson I probably learned along the way, spectating so many different races. I mean, I've watched our athletes suffer in St. George on the hills. I've watched athletes suffer in the heat of Coeur d'Alene. I've watched athletes suffer uh, in so many different places in, in the winds of Galveston. And, and to see that no matter, no matter what the conditions were, no matter what the course gave them, everybody did what they had to do to get to their finish line in the conditions they were given with the fitness that they had. And, and, and that's all you can do. I, I wanted, and I don't know if I ever said this in the podcast, I know I said it to you guys off, um, I wanted to go sub 12. That for whatever, for whatever reason, that was the arbitrary number I, I, I picked that I wanted to do. And, and, and I told myself, like, I knew going in, okay, if I don't go sub 12, that might be the thing that gives me an inkling to do this again because I want to go sub 12. And I, I had a moment about mile four on the run course. I, I knew just doing the math, coming off the swim, coming off the bike, knowing what those splits were, I knew I'd have to have around a four hour run split. Um, and fitness wise, I'm very capable of that. Mm-hmm. That course with my fitness, with the energy I had at that present moment, I believe I could have run a four hour marathon if my gut had cooperated. I, I truly do. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't. And that's fine. All you can do is the best you can do with the fitness that you have, the conditions that you're given. And, and, and again, four or five miles in after my first porta potty stop because my stomach was starting to give me issues, it was hot. I, I realized I'm not going sub 12 today. Mm-hmm. And I was surprisingly fine with that because it, it wasn't that I wasn't giving it my all. It wasn't that something had gone wrong that was frustratingly out of my control. I was doing the best I could with, with the heat that I had, with the wind that we had on the bike, with the road conditions we had on, on, on the bike. And, and, and I, whatever my finish time was, I, I was gonna be thrilled with it. And I am thrilled with it. And I actually, this present moment, can't even tell you what my finish time was. My, so my, my Garmin watch died uh, on loop three of the run course. So perhaps I need to visit Jeff Rains's uh, try out online store and get a better, <laughs> uh, a better Garmin watch. But um, you know, so it died while I was out there. So I don't even know what my, what my in, I, I've seen it since then, but I've already forgotten it. And I'll, I'll go back and look at it uh, closer after the trip. But, but, but anyway, so, so that, that's, my biggest lesson I would tell somebody, whether you're racing a sprint, whether you're racing an especially for Ironman, but, but any triathlon, once you're out there on course, do what you have to do to get to that finish line. Do what you have to do to, to enjoy the day. Don't, don't make yourself so miserable trying to achieve a certain result. Or I mean, I mean what, what if I told myself um, on the run course, I'm only going to take in this, this, and this, and, and I stuck to that and I was underfueled because of it. You know, what if I had told myself, oh, I don't, I don't want to get blisters on my feet, so I'm not going to stay wet. I'm just going to drink a lot of water and hope it goes well. Um, you know, what, what if I told myself, like, okay, I'm going to, at all costs, I'm going to run those hills. Um, a lot more could have gone wrong. Um, I did what I could do with how my body was feeling in, in that moment. And, and I think that's, regardless of your race, regardless of your distance, that, that, that's all you can do. And in the end, be happy with, with the result. Yeah, that's great. We we all have our best laid plans, and then 
Uh, like I've mentioned on the podcast before, the Mike Tyson quote: "It's everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth." John, I literally and, thought uh, of that quote uh, <laughs> uh, at some point uh, yeah. on loop two or three of the run. I thought, and of that inevitably, quote. Iron Man is going to punch you in the mouth. Yeah, and at that point, it just basically becomes management and adjusting, adapting, and overcoming, and, and continuing to to uh, push on. So, what was the lowest moment out there on the Iron Man course? Two of them, very specifically, um, the the two lowest moments, and I referenced both of them um, on the bike. I, I, and and everybody who's out there that, who knows the course, the the um, the windiest portion, the most exposed portion when you're you're riding into kind of a, a head crosswind combo, um, was on loop two. It was miles 100 to 100 and 607. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the whole way home, yeah. you were into a, a, a pretty good headwind. But that was the moment it was the most ex- exposed. Um, and so you're just you're just putting out the watch you're supposed to be putting out, and you're looking down at your speed, and you're just like, "This is stupid." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, again, I, I was I was surprisingly I was th- I mean, shout out to my precision hydration electrolytes and gels. Shout out to my my UCAN that I was drinking every hour. Shout out to my Delta G that I had in my UCAN bottle that I was drinking because I'm a hundred mile. I'm, I'm I never ridden a century ride before. Mm-hmm. I'm a hundred miles in, into a bike ride, and I felt fueled. I felt good my energy was still there but at miles 100 to, to probably 108 on the bike were dark moment number one yeah because by then i was i finally reached that threshold of get me the hell off this bike Who, whoever I, I know where the, the extra 12 miles come from but it's like do we really need these extra 12 miles i don't think yeah, i don't think like, we do that's just ridiculous i don't think we like, do can't we just I, I get it i know the original story uh, why it went from 100 to 112 but yeah it's like do we have to keep that like, yeah can't we just isn't 100 enough yeah that's that's so that is so natural that that's a, a dark stretch i'm 100 with you it would have been great for that to be because uh, it was somewhat downhill to the finish but it was a headwind and so you didn't really get, get anyway so so that was a dark moment that the second dark moment was was Loop two on the run again. I'm a runner. I wanted to be running. I yep. kept trying to run, and I just could not. My, my gut would not let me. And um, it, it was still hot outside, so I'm trying to stay. So it's a mixture of you're trying to stay cool and you're trying to take in fuel, but that that fuel is also is is it's making your stomach upset to where yep. you can't. So it's like, do I stay fueled uh, and have stomach cramps, or do I don't have stomach cramps and and not be fueled? And and so. Miles, the miles in particular that, that really just seemed to go by very, very slowly was about 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. And then once I hit mile 15, it, it kind of flipped a switch where it was like, well, now there's only 11 miles left. Mm-hmm. Now there's only 10 miles left. Now there's only nine miles left. Um, and, and so that mentally was very helpful. But, but miles 12 to 15, what, what, it was a very, I, I was probably the farthest away from you guys mm-hmm. uh, at, at that point. Um, I, I was the farthest away from, from starting loop number three at that point. You know, you're only halfway through a marathon at that point. Uh, I was struggling to run. I was in the heat, um, and, and so that was probably the other dark, dark, dark moment. So, besides the uh, nice warm shot of chicken broth, though, what made you laugh out on the course? Yeah, that chicken broth definitely made me gag and then laugh uh, <laughs> all at the same time. It's a weird, weird moment. Um, uh, to two things: um, one, we we came when I came around um, for that first loop on the run and, and saw you guys for the first time. Um, you know, just just the energy from, uh, I mean, so, some of coach Joe's bet Betty's sisters were out there just, just cheering their heads off and you guys rather, you know, cheering your heads off some other tri daughters. Um, and, and, uh, my, my wife had made a poster and she's never made a poster for any of my races before. She's, she, she makes, she's a huge supporter of me doing triathlon. She comes to all, she's missed, I think two races ever. And she, and she hated missing those. She, she loves being there. Uh, but she, she's never made a poster before. Uh, and so that was cool to have had her do that for the for the first time. And we we love 
the show Ted Lasso, mm -hmm. uh, which if you've watched it, you know why. Uh, it, it's just an incredible show. If you know my personality, it checks out that I would love Ted Lasso. Um, just such a positive show. Just, just anyway. So, so she had made a uh, a sign um, that that said "Be a goldfish," mm -hmm. uh, which which is a reference to <laughs> from, from Ted Lasso, and it was it was perfect in that moment. And and so that I I laughed out loud audibly. Um, the the other one. Um, so so we talked. You know, I, I love music. I love pump up music. I, I, I respond to music. And, and so I intentionally, I mean, you guys probably saw me walking around this rental house with my headphones on in certain moments, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the night before the race and the morning of the race. And I was listening to some of my some of my workout playlists, punk rock playlists, because like I, I knew whatever I'm listening to right now, like like the chances are one of these songs mm -hmm. will be in my head yeah. once I get out there on the course. And, and I, you do not want the wrong song. And I do not want here. the wrong song. So, so the moment where I was probably four or five miles into the bike and I didn't intentionally try to think of a certain song. Mm -hmm. and, and the song that came into my mind, I just naturally started noticing the song in my head um, that there is a rock band called Framing Henley that they're not really known for their own music, but they did. Um, do you guys remember, Elizabeth, you probably remember this uh, as, a, as a punk fan, uh, but back in the day, there were, there were those uh, Punk Goes Pop albums where like rock bands would cover like Taylor Swift, Adele, like pop mm, songs. Yes, okay. Uh, uh -huh. And so it'd be like a rock version of like a pop song. They took the song Lollipop by Lil Wayne, uh, which obviously is, 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 a, is a rap R&B song and, and did a, a, like a rock version of it like guitars screaming in the, the works and the lyrics are very inappropriate so if anybody goes and listens to it <laughs> and is offended i apologize uh but it, just in terms of music Don't google that one at work <laughs> yeah that, that one that song is a straight banger like it, it's it's it just rocks out and so when that settled into my head and, and i was like okay this is the song that's gonna be in my head for the next six hours like that was a laugh for me because when i was relieved it was a, a song that is motivational to me it's mm -hmm. a good rock song uh but but i i chuckled out loud uh at that that particular moment. All right, to kind of finish up our main set here for today, I mean, we've covered so many topics that you have hosted in the last 100 plus podcast episodes. So I'm sure that our listeners are curious to hear just some of the the smaller details that you sure. implemented. Um, so what I want to do is just give you a bunch of quick questions. So, you know, a, a yes, no answer is just fine. Answer oh 15 seconds or less. All right. Basically, we're going to kind of go rapid fire here. And, and just get some of those finer details. This is Elizabeth's way of saying, Andrew, you've been rambling about your race, and now we're, now we're, gonna, now we're gonna pound through some quick stuff. Got now it. we're gonna finish it out. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, One-piece kit or two-piece kit? I was wearing the one-piece kit that has the separated kind of two-piece in the front. And I will say this about my kit. When I got in the shower that night, getting back to the house, I had no chafing anywhere. And so that kit did its freaking job. All right, pre-race breakfast. I had an English muffin with peanut butter. Um, I had one and a half English muffins, to be exact, with peanut butter spread on them and a banana and a serving of Yukan. All right. And a serving of precision hydration with my Yukan. And a coffee. One cup of coffee. Anything, Anything else? else? <laughs> That's, it. <laughs> That's it. All right. Uh, Pre-race warm-up. Uh, so at Waco, it's a, it's a one-mile walk from transition to the swim start. And that was my warm-up. I didn't take it upon myself to do anything else uh, beyond that. Fair enough. Uh, full sleeve or sleeveless wetsuit? Full sleeve for me. Nutrition on the bike? Nutrition on the bike. Um, I had a serving of UCAN every hour on the 30-minute mark. Um, I had a precision hydration gel every hour on the zero-zero mark. So one hour, two hour, three hour, four hour. 
Um, I had a serving of Delta G Tactical in my Uken bottle. Um, so every hour I was getting a little bit of that as well. And I was taking precision hydration electrolytes like it was my job. All right. Uh, socks on the bike, yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Best bike upgrade that you made in preparation for this race? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I bought a ceramic speed chain um, two years ago when I first signed up for Ironman Texas. And it's been sitting in a drawer waiting for race day. Um, and, and so that, that chain was the last thing to go on my bike uh, the week of the race. Uh, best upgrade was definitely my tri-rig scoops because I held arrow so much more than I would have been able to without those. That, that was the answer I was anticipating. I thought that's what it was coming. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So you already talked about the latex tubes doing their job, making sure you didn't get a flat. How many extra tubes did you carry with you on the course? So I carried one with me on the course. Um, John recommended two. I just, I, I didn't have space to store two with my setup. And so I was just kind of hoping that I didn't flat. I did have a spare flat repair kit in my personal needs bag um, should, should I need it. All right. And speaking of that personal needs bag, anything unique in that bike personal needs bag? Uh, so I was, it was pretty straightforward nutritionally for me. It was just a refill on what I was carrying on loop one. Um, so I, I went through all of my gels and all my UCAN. So it was just putting fresh bottles and fresh gels back in my pocket. And so basically I started loop two with the same exact things I had in my pockets for loop one. The unique thing, and this is something I got from Coach Joe, uh, being in the same house with her, um, we knew it was going to be a hot day. And so we actually, um, she went to the grocery store and bought us some, some little cooler bags that keep ice cool. And uh, we, we put our bottles for loop two in those cooler bags. So I'm sure for the volunteer picking up our bags, I'm sure they were unsurprisingly heavy. That's because inside of our personal needs bag, there was a cooler bag uh, full of ice with our bottles inside them. And sure enough, when I put those bottles on my bike and went to take a sip of them, they were so chilly uh, and it was very, very refreshing. Nice. All right. Did you pee on the bike? Absolutely. Uh, the two times at my best friend, the porta potty at mile 30. So you didn't actually pee on the bike. Oh, I didn't pee on the bike. You no, peed no, no. during the bike segment. So that, that was a bit of a scare for me. I, I got your bike out of transition. So I was like, wait, what? Did you pee? Oh. Yeah. So. The look on John's face right there, he's like, wait a second. <laughs> All right. Um, what shoes did you wear for the run? I wore my neon green Nike Vaporfly and X percents. Wonderful. Elizabeth James approved. Yes. Elizabeth James approved. Two thumbs up here. Um, nutrition on the run. Nutrition on the run. So I actually switched from my precision hydration gels at that point to my science and sport gels just because those uh, are, are my favorite tasting gels that I own. Lemon and mint? Uh, lemon and mint, you know it. Um, so I had those. Um, the other one I had, and actually I had a UCAN Edge gel um, in T2 and um, in my personal needs bag on the run. And so I had those two. That that tart blood orange UCAN uh, uh, gel man, that really perks you up when, when that tart orange hits your mouth. Um, and so those were a joy to take both times I took them. Uh, but the gels I was carrying while I was running uh, were my science and sport limited mints. Nice. All right. Did you plan to run by pace or power for the run segment? I plan to run by power, uh, which for me is about 220 watts. And uh, I, I came out at the point John Mayfield yelled at me that it was 90 degrees. I was running 240 watts. So it made me slow down to the appropriate power. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, um, so again, it, it was by power. And then at the point that four or five miles in, when I was I was losing it in my gut and and was just run walking, um, I I stopped referencing my watch, frankly, and I was just running by feel at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm I'm fairly attuned to that, and eventually my watch died, and so I was really running by RP at that point too. So did you stop at run special needs? 
I did loop loop two, uh, and and basically just grabbed two fresh gels, um, downs. Uh, you can edge gel and kept going. So not not, not a lot there to quick stop. Um, yep. Yeah, quick stop. Do you remember what song was playing when you crossed the finish line? I do not at all. Mm. No, not even aware. Got to do it again. Are you going to get an Iron Man tattoo? No, uh, not because I'm not interested in one, just because I don't know what I would put and where I would put it. And if you're going to make a commitment to a tattoo, you need to know what you want and where you want to put it. Um, so if I ever come up with that, maybe, but uh, no plans at this time. All right. I'm going to turn it over to our, our, our host today for our final question. Where is Iron Man number two going to be? Iron Man number two is probably not going to happen, John. Uh, I... My, my, We're gonna keep asking, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, I, and I know that uh, my my resolve after doing it, uh, I'm glad I did it. Um, I don't feel the need to do it again. My resolve is doubled. Um, and, and John, you even made the joke to our staff. Um, I I actually passed on the opportunity to take a world slot to St. George. Now, if it had been Kona, if I had somehow, in my 22nd age group place performance, qualified for Kona, yes, I would have committed to doing another Ironman to race in Kona. Um, St. George is amazing. It's an amazing destination. It's an amazing course. It's beautiful. I've seen it with my eyes. Um, it's brutal, and I don't have any interest in, in racing. It's an brutal. Ironman. You've seen it with your eyes. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, um, you know, if I had gotten like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth in my age group and qualified, I, I might basically they were just giving a ton of slots out. And I, um, I you know, it, it rolled down far enough where where they were basically at the word ceremony saying. Anybody, men's 30 to 34, who finished the race that wants to go to St. George, come take a slot. And I was like, I don't want it like this. Um, and so if they had called my name and said, Andrew Harley, it just rolled to you. Do you want this slot? It would have been really hard to say no, yeah. uh, particularly with all you guys sitting there. Uh, but thankfully for me, they didn't do that. Um, and so so I've already passed on opportunity number two to do an Ironman. Um, I, I have zero plans at this time to do another. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Friday evening, I posted a picture of Andrew's freshly shaved legs to the I Am Try Dot Facebook group, <laughs> and you guys did not disappoint. Andrew, you had a great bike split, once again confirming that clean shaven is smoking fast. Learning from the Daytona experience from last year, where you kept us up till midnight with your multiple hour ordeal, you got an earlier start this time. What else did you learn? Tell us more about your experience. My experience shaving my legs, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're focusing on here. I, I did learn this. It's actually easier to shave your legs than to shave your arms. Um, I did the arms too. When we when we did this the episode with Jesse Frank from Specialized, there are also aerodynamic gains to be made from shaving your arms. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I did both. And the arms were actually more difficult and actually took more time because like leg hair for a guy, it, it all, it's all flowing in one direction. But arm hair kind of kind of like swirls, um, and I'm a little guy, so I have like little tiny arms, and, and so it, was, it, it took me a while to go against the grain and get all the arm hair taken care of. But um, anyway, several people on on the Facebook post were making fun of me because uh, they didn't think that I committed enough to the shaving mm -hmm. process because you, you can see where I stopped. Yeah. Um, but oh, but yeah. I, we're I'm gonna just, talk about that. I'm gonna say in my defense, uh, I shaved to the point where the tri suit took over from there. And so aerodynamically, I shaved what I needed to shave, and I left the rest. And so now there's there's not there's less that has to grow back. Yeah, but now there's also three very distinct funny lines because you have where the hair ends, your tri kit tan line, and then smooth. So, but, but I'm an Iron Man now, and so I'm going to say it was worth it's worth looking ridiculous here on the back end. So we'll hit just a couple of those highlights on those comments from from that picture. We'll start with Dan Hawkins, uh, who who noted that you missed a spot. I missed a few spots. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then uh, Joe Chu says, add this in the 
things you can't unsee. Category. Joe's exactly right. Mm -hmm. For for the record, I didn't post a picture of that. John Mayfield posted a picture of that, so he can blame John for for the, seeing that picture. I <laughs> do not apologize. So. Uh, Dan Rice, business on the bottom, party on the top. That's yeah. Dan nailed it. Yep, exactly. So this one from Matt Irison made me laugh. He said, does this mean you aren't sporting the Speedos? No, I would have had to shave more <laughs> if I was sporting a Speedo. Absolutely. And Brian Ruscher, I started that way. My wife made me get rid of the boxer brief haircut. Uh, that, that one made me laugh. And I think I actually commented on that one uh, because I've never heard anybody call it a boxer brief haircut before. Uh, and that was, that was good. Well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank Andrew Harley for sharing his Iron Man story with us and Elizabeth James for helping me keep him moving out on the race course. This concludes our mutiny. We will once again confirm Andrew as the captain of the middle of the pack and your host of the TriDot podcast. Shout out to UCAN for partnering with us on today's episode. Head to UCAN.com and use promo code TriDot at checkout when placing your order for 10% off your Superstarch Energy order. Enjoying the podcast? Have any triathlon questions or topics you want to hear us talk about? Head to TriDot.com slash podcast and click on submit feedback to let us know what you're thinking. We'll have a new show coming your way soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training. <laughs>